again, dropping by to see if I've overheard the locals selling any more terrifying tales, are you? <laughs> As it happens, you're in luck. I've heard plenty of whispers from the darker corners of the room, things that would drive a sane mind mad. I've heard of strange and unholy music, even stranger neighbors, and the strength of a father's love. Let me lock up quickly. We don't want any interruptions, do we? The night is wearing on. Shall we get started? Music is often viewed as a window into the musician's soul. As their fingers deftly play their instrument, their mind and heart are revealed to all those who listen. Most who listen will only hear the bass level of the music, enjoying the sequence notes. But to those who listen deeper, the musician's very soul can be revealed, and it's not always pretty. This tale is entitled, The Devil Has All the Best Music. If you follow the road south of a small rural town called Renford, you will find another, less busy track which is almost hidden completely behind overgrown foliage. Most people drive on by, oblivious to its existence. But if you follow it, you will come upon two large houses relatively near to each other. One of them is in an agreeable state. Yes. It has its issues, such as the weather strip paint and gnarled wood porch in desperate need of a varnish, but compared to the other, it is palatial. The other house is near a wreck in comparison, but not by choice. I always had plans in my mind as to how I wanted to finish it, how I wanted to restore it to its original prime, but now it sits there, festering and abandoned. It pains me to think of it, sat there all alone in the woodland, but there is nothing between heaven or hell which could drag me back there. I can still remember the first day I saw the advert for it. It was needing some love putting into it back then, and that was 12 years ago. I had always dreamed of finding a place which had fallen into disrepair and breathing new life into it, especially if the price was right. It was the polar opposite of the busy city I lived in, and I did not think a quiet life was too much to ask for. I rang the phone number listed as soon as I returned from work. The house was part of a deceased estate. They had no living relatives, and they had left no will requesting what be done with it. The mortgage company had seized the property and simply wanted it gone to reclaim their owed money. They snapped my hand off almost as much as I snapped at theirs. I packed up my life in the city, cramming it all into the bed of a pickup truck, and set out on the five-hour drive to Renford. The journey could only be described as sheer joy. The noise and light of the city fell away, opening up to vast expanses of trees and fields as far as I could see. I passed through small towns and villages, stopping to take in the slower pace of life whenever I needed a rest. I felt myself glow with contentment, as if my soul had been refreshed. It was late when I made the turning down that secluded lane. The truck bounced and rattled as the road became little more than two tire-churned tracks amongst the lengths of grass, and I clenched my teeth as my skull rattled. I saw the other house first. It passed to my right, 
and I couldn't help but be a nosy neighbor. Unfortunately, there was nothing to warn me of the terror that was to come. Simply a single upstairs light on and what I assumed was the bedroom. I carried on another hundred meters or so and stopped outside of my new home. I was used to nighttime in the city, not the full and foreboding rural darkness. Because of this, I grabbed only what I had to for that first night and resolved to bring the rest in the next day. I can still remember how I felt there that first night, unable to sleep due to the lack of noise. There were no cars, no planes or trains, simply myself and the night. Over the next few days, I quickly became accustomed to the quiet, finding myself enjoying my isolation from the outside world more and more. When I eventually returned to work several days later, I found myself yearning to return to my little slice of paradise each day. Noise irritated me, and I developed a deep-seated hate of the heaving rumble of constant traffic. The weekends were wonderful. I ensured that I had a full enough refrigerator and freezer to last the weekend so I could enjoy my solitude as much as I could. I took long rambling walks in the woods, listened to music, and watched the world go by from my front porch. In the evenings, as twilight closed in, I would sit on the porch with a couple of beers and watch the darkness roll in. I sat there in the dark for as long as I could, enjoying the starlight above, but every night I noticed the light come on in the upstairs bedroom of the other house. I looked several times, but could never make anyone out, at least not directly. There were times when I swear I could see someone at the window out of my peripheral vision, a large and brutish shape, but when I looked towards it, it was gone. I resolved to meet my neighbor as soon as I got the chance. On the weekends I would knock, sometimes in the morning, sometimes in the afternoon, but I never received an answer. It was a few days after I attempted to contact them that that damned music began. The music was beautiful. Truly it was. When I sat on the porch at night, the light would come on as usual, but now it was accompanied by the sound of a mournful piano. When I first heard it, I thought it was a recording as it sounded so perfect, but every night the music was subtly different. Occasionally it was punctured by a frantic, passionate staccato. Other times it flowed like silk. It went on for hours at a time and always stopped when I retired to my bedroom. I decided to sleep in one Saturday when I heard a knock at the door. At first, I thought it was my imagination, but then it went again. I always picked up my post from the office in town, so I knew it couldn't be that. I threw on some clothes and dashed downstairs. I opened the door to find that a frail old woman stood on my doorstep. There was something about her that set me on edge, but I couldn't put my finger on it. She leaned on a gnarled stick for support, her hair scraped back into a greasy gray bun, but it was her smile that tingled my spine. It was large and unnatural, her eyes holding the same maniacal flare. You like the music, do you? I was still trying to figure out why an old woman was stood on my doorstep. Music? She pointed back to the house just up the road. The music. I've seen you sitting out here at night. You like it? My brain put pieces together and I came to the realization that I was speaking to my neighbor. That's you? It's wonderful. Incredible, even. 
I wiped my hands on my clothes and extended it towards her. I'm sorry, where are my manners? I'm Natalie. The old lady took my hands in an oddly strong grip, her ice-cold fingers wrapping around mine. Agnes, she replied. Perhaps you'll want to come listen sometime. The thought of seeing such a performance overrode any discomfort that the old lady gave me. I nodded. Very much so. How about tonight? I shrugged. It was not as if I had anything else on. I'd like that. Her odd grin returned. Come around at eight. She turned and started down the steps of my porch, then turned and looked at me one last time. Make sure you're on time. I spent the rest of the day thinking about the night's performance. To see such beauty flowing firsthand set my heart fluttering, and I kept myself as busy as possible to ensure that eight came as quickly as possible. I knocked on the door at exactly eight. I waited in the dark for a moment until light came on and the door groaned open. Agnes stood holding the door, although the odd smile and fire in her eyes from earlier had dissipated. Her hand shook on the door handle and the smile she attempted to give me was a weary one. The smell of various oils and lavender wafted out to greet me, although there was a burnt undertone lingering in the air. Are you okay? I asked. If tonight's not good... No, no, come in, come in. She replied, waving me in towards the staircase. Go on up. I'll be there in a moment. I dare say I'm a little slower than you. I followed her instruction and ascended the staircase, the old boards creaking under my feet no matter how softly I trod. The light was now on in one of the rooms, the room which I saw illuminated every night. I stepped in and looked around. In the center of the room was an old grand piano, the original black paint chipped in places and showing the raw wood beneath. The rest of the room was populated by numerous tables each holding troves of crystals and geodes, they were sprawled out in indistinct but definite patterns, and some were even hung from the light fittings, sending odd angles of light bouncing through the room. Two leather armchairs sat snugly together. Agnes struggled into the room and shut the door. Her tired eyes seemed to regain an element of power, and a faint smile toyed with her lips. This is impressive, I said. I don't think I've ever seen something like this before. All she did was give a feeble nod before hobbling towards the piano and taking a seat at the stool. She motioned to the armchairs. Take a seat. I followed her words and sank deep into the old creaking chair. She turned to look at me. The angles of light seemed to change her facial features as they bounced around the room. The way I play can be unorthodox, she said. It requires deep concentration, almost like falling into a trance. You like the music you can hear from your house, yes? Yes. Can you imagine it sounding even more wonderful? The tone's deeper, the playing so elegant that the fingers whisper across the keys. An experience for the soul. Can you imagine it? It was a struggle to imagine something even more divine than what I had already heard. I, I can't, but I would love to hear it. Agnes took a deep breath, her form appearing to warp slightly. You can hear it. I can show you how. 
but you need to open your mind. Your soul, even. I lean forward in the chair, the leather groaning beneath me. Show me. The odd grin returned to the old woman's face. Then you'll need to come with me. Far beyond this mortal shell. She noticed my raised eyebrow and laughed. I said you'd need to have an open mind. But how? That's impossible. Astral projection, Agnes replied. Detaching our souls from their anchors and letting them soar far, far away. Something raised the hairs on the back of my neck, my heart rate increasing. Normally, I wouldn't subscribe to such nonsense thinking. But the authority in her voice almost made me believe her. Is it safe? Can we come back? Of course, she said with a wide grin. I go and come back each night. What made you think this time would be different? Okay. Great. Then we'll begin. Agnes turned her back to me and lowered her head. Follow my voice. She said, her tone suddenly low and deep. Keep your breathing steady and shut your eyes. I closed my eyes and listened to her voice. The steady rhythm of my breathing quickly matched her own wheezing pace. She whispered words well below my hearing range. All I could make out was the guttural mumbling, nothing distinct in the words themselves. Something changed within me. It was a subtle, a minor flicker somewhere in my mind, but I felt myself suddenly lighter. A bleak terror filled me at the thought of actually leaving my physical body behind. I forced my eyes open, my weight coming back to me. I broke the rhythmic breathing, my lungs clamoring for lost breath. I looked around to see Agnes still slumped with her head forward, mumbling and churning unknown words in her mouth. The crystals which were hung from the ceiling danced slightly, the erratic light forming strange but wonderful images before my eyes, but it was not enough to trace away the dread which flowed through me. My fight or flight response kicked in and it chose flight. I sprang from the chair and made my way to the door before descending the old stairs, checking over my shoulder for something every few steps. I dashed out into the dark night and back towards my house. I took one last glance at the now normal light and what I thought was the bedroom window and ducked into the safety of my own house. Several days passed and I did not see Agnes, nor did she come to see me. In hindsight, I thought that perhaps I had overreacted. Maybe I had bought too deeply into her words and my brain played tricks with me. Either way, I felt awkward about the whole thing and hoped to see her to apologize. However, whenever I knocked, there was no answer. The nightly music returned, but it was not the same as before. It was no longer the wonderful workings of a musical genius, but sounded like someone hammering the keys with inelegant fingers. It was awful and its incessant nightly noise soon began to dampen my enjoyment of my evenings on the porch. I came home from work one evening to find a note pushed under my door. I picked it up and read it. It was from Agnes. I'm sorry if there was a misunderstanding the other night. I finished my playing and you were gone. I am frankly sorry if I offended you in any way, or made you feel uncomfortable. But thank you for giving an old lonely woman the company for an evening. My door is always open for you, my dear. Please don't be a stranger. The letter tugged at my heartstrings. 
Perhaps I'd overreacted the other night? My memories of what occurred that night now seem vague, almost as if looking through a haze. I resolved to set the issue straight once I had eaten and cleaned up. My knock at the door was answered relatively quickly. Agnes opened the door, looking tired once more. I must apologize for the other night, I said. I drudged a lie from my thoughts. I I wasn't feeling well and didn't want to disturb your wonderful playing. Agnes gave a laughing smile. Oh, you are sweet. Perhaps I could play for you again some night when you're feeling up to it. I was hoping to hear you tonight, if you're free, of course. That's music to my ears, Agnes said, a spark returning to her old lies. She nodded towards the stairs. Guess first. I climbed the stairs once more. Instead of looking forward to the performance this time, all I could think of was the cacophony I had been subjected to for the last few nights. I made an agreement with myself that I would honor her this time and stay to the bitter end. The room was how I remembered it, and soon I was settled down in the old leather chair with Agnes seated at the piano. She closed her eyes once more, and I followed suit. If it could make the music any more bearable, then I thought it would be best to give it a try. Once again, my breathing fell into rhythm with the old woman's. Her odd, guttural chanting came back, and I could hear the crystals around the light fittings clink gently against one another as they danced once more. The subtle loss of weight came sooner than I expected. My heart raced once more, but this time I was resolved to hold myself to the experience. It was unnerving at first, and I could only describe the feeling as if you were ascending, even though I knew it was impossible. It was in this moment that I realized that I could hear nothing. The more I listened to the silence, the odder it became. I could no longer hear the clink of crystals, the guttural words, or even my own heavy breaths. My senses tensed, ears pining for the sound of something. I heard it. It was distant, but I recognized it. The sweet tinkle of piano keys. I smiled to myself as I heard it. Even from such a distance, I realized that this playing was nothing like what I had heard for the last few nights. It was serene, a glistening dance across the ivories. I had to see the old woman play it or I would not believe it. I opened my eyes. They did not open. A moment of panic jarred me. I could not even sense the air entering and leaving my lungs, but I knew somewhere I gasped for breath. I moved my hands in front of my eyes and I realized I could see them. A moment of relief set in. I was not blind. But wherever I was, was was so gloomy that I could barely see my hands in front of me. I reached a hand out, finding it resting on what I could only imagine was some textured wallpaper. I stepped towards it and could see it now. I followed the wall and eventually it led me to a door. I fumbled with the handle for a moment before it creaked open before me. It was lighter here, though not much. An old lamp covered in cobwebs, sat in the corner of the room, casting a muted light across what looked to be an old pub. It was untouched, with empty stools lining the bar and tables and chairs pristine in condition. I stepped inside and heard the music become louder. 
Agnes? I called. There was no response. Anyone? Silence. I walked across the bar and looked out of the windows. The darkness returned outside of the panes, although I could swear there was a constant swarm of movement just beyond my perception. Something moved behind me. I turned around to see a line of people queuing across the bar towards a door on the other side. They were inanimate and dressed in old-fashioned clothing. All of them were caught as if frozen in time. Some were trapped in mid-conversation, others swigged from a drink, and others checked tickets which they held. Hello, I said, but was answered with only more silence. The piano grew louder, as if it was just beyond the doors which they queued towards. I followed the line, and on closer inspection, the door held a number of posters. Agnes Dayton, live for tonight only. I pressed a hand to the door and twisted the handle. To my surprise, it opened. I was expecting someone to stop me or for the door to be locked, but instead the door opened into a large dance hall. Rows of seats were set out in preparation for the event, but it was not that which gathered my attention. I could see her, hunched over the piano. The glorious, soaring notes which she played became dampened, the melancholic sound which I first heard when I moved into my house returning. I crept closer, not wanting to disturb her playing, going further into the hall. I passed rows of empty seats, following the empty center towards the stage. I looked back, as if expecting the crowd to have followed me, but they were still frozen where they stood. As I went to take a seat in the front row, I noticed something. Agnes was crying. Her frame was hunched forward, not from concentration, but as if a large mass was crushing down on her. A round of applause startled me. I looked around to see the seats now filled. The queue from outside now sat in their seats, each of their faces glued to Agnes. Their faces held no emotion, simply offering blank stares toward the stage. I looked towards Agnes as the music swelled once more. This time, I could see something else. Agnes was still hunched over the piano, tears rolling through the cracks in her skin, but I could see the weight which fell on her. It was large, standing over her, but it was hard to make out in the dim light. It was mostly shadow, but most definitely not that of a man. Its height was so much that it had to crouch itself, its legs bent at odd angles and arms of brutish size holding Agnes tight within its grip. A bolt of black terror ran down my spine as I realized that this thing was not a creature which had seen the light of day. My mind whirled with fear. All I could think of was to run, but as I stood I saw its form move, its head turning slowly towards me. It was now that I could make out a feature. It was the same unnatural smile which had held Agnes's face the first time she knocked at my door. From that bleak smile came the strange, twisted words which Agnes had muttered, but now they were terrifyingly loud. I ran as fast as my legs could carry me. I sprinted past the rows of inanimate objects and out into the bar. I glanced back, the sight that greeted me threatening to turn my legs to jelly beneath me. All of the occupants of the theater were turned in their seats, their hollow stares locked onto me, although that was the least of my worries. 
The large creature had descended from the stage and was making its way through the central aisle towards me, its black mass blocking out any view I had of Agnes. There was only one way I could go. I dashed towards the entrance of the pub, rattling the door handle, but finding it locked. My heart thundered in my chest. I wrenched a chair from the floor and did the only thing my panicking mind could think of. I threw it firmly towards the window. The glass shattered, with it coming screams of anguish. I didn't dare look back towards the hall as I threw myself out of it. I was falling. I had expected to land painfully on the ground outside, expecting glass to be buried in my hands and knees, but that was not the case. The wind whistled past me as I fell, carrying the howls of the mad and the pain with it. I fell for what felt like a lifetime. My mind raced and my heart threatened to break through my ribcage. I was falling somewhere, but where I did not know. I came to a sudden halt. A solid weight connected with me. I thrashed around in the darkness momentarily, trying to find a way to get further from that beast. But something connected. I opened my eyes, light bursting in to greet them. I was back in the room with Agnes. The crystals banged loudly against each other as they whirled around violently. The shards of light, which danced across the room now, painted terrifying and indescribable images. I launched myself out of the chair and towards Agnes. Agnes? I cried out, shaking her firmly. Agnes! She continued playing, her fingers hammering the keys with unnatural force. She did not weep here. Instead, her lips were wrenched into that insane smile. Her eyes rolled towards me, but her mouth simply continued to spout the strange words I had heard in the hall. There was nothing else I could do. I bolted down the stairs, hearing banging and bellowing from the room as I ran. I made the short distance to my car quicker than I ever thought possible and started the engine. My headlights illuminated the road ahead. Whatever was going on in that room, it was not good. Flashes and blasts of multicolored lights beamed out into the night, brighter than the moon which was high in the sky. A dark shadow appeared at the window, its dark and baleful glare almost freezing me in fear. I slammed on the accelerator and flew down the track. The truck bounced and groaned in protest, but there was no way my foot would respond. I drove the rest of the night. I didn't know where I was going, and frankly, I didn't care. It's been 12 years since I've seen my house. I still wake up with regular night terrors, and I can only find sleep with the light on. Everything I once owned was in that house, but now I can only imagine that it's all left to rot. Sometimes I still think about Agnes, about what must have happened to her to lead to such a harrowing existence, but there is no help for a soul like that. All I can hope is that that road has overgrown to the point of invisibility, and that she, and whatever that thing was, is sealed away for as long as her body continues to live. If you asked anyone if they have any secrets, most of those asked would say yes. After all, we would not be human if we did not keep secrets. Most of the time, these little secrets do no one any harm, something we hide from others to avoid any repercussions for ourselves. We can live in ease knowing that our secret will stay secret, but what if your secret came looking for you? 
This tale is entitled The Pendant. Austin, honey, can you come downstairs, please? My mother called out to me from the living room. Uh, sure. I'll be there in just a sec, I replied, admiring my lucky pendant before carefully storing it back in its hiding place, back in the shoebox underneath my bed. Austin, the neighbors are visiting. You should come down and greet them. Ah, oh, the neighbors. How I despise them. The Jordans had only recently moved into our small Alabama town about a month ago, and already they managed to contaminate the air with the stench of the big city. They were often loud and obnoxious, keeping me up most nights with their constant bickering, their cars screeching up and down the roads in needless hurry. I had half a mind to go over there myself. Still, I wasn't about to go against my mother's wishes. All right, I'm coming down, I called out as I made my way down the stairs. I felt my heart sink down into my stomach when I reached the bottom of the steps and saw her. Austin, this lovely young lady is Ashley Jordan, and of course you know her parents, Stephanie and Martin. My mom spoke cheerfully as she introduced us. Hi, Ashley giggled as she smiled at me coyly. I stood there frozen for what it seemed like an eternity, unable to keep my gaze off of her. Those haunting green eyes piercing deep into my very soul, my hands clammy and shaking nervously, my mouth as dry as I struggled to form words. Well, aren't you gonna say hi? My mother teased as she slapped me across the back, temporarily relieving me of my trance. Hello, I stammered weakly trying my best to smile politely as I examined the young woman. I couldn't believe my eyes. I didn't want to. She was perfect. Too perfect. She even wore the same exact pendant like the one in my shoebox upstairs. My mind raced with a million and one questions, but her parents spoke up before I could ask a single one. This has been really nice and all, but we really are busy, declared Martin as he shot me a straight look. Ashley insisted we drop by to say hello on our way out. She'd really had quite the sudden interest in our neighbors recently. I'm not sure what's gotten into her, her mother added. Ashley, it's time to go, dear. You can play with the neighbors later, she said as she tucked at Ashley's shoulder before making their way out the door. Ashley smiled a sly, devilish grin as she looked straight at me. I'll see you around very soon, Austin. She giggled before the door closed behind her. Isn't she sweet? My mother chimed in, but I couldn't hear her. My heart pounded against my chest as I raced up the stairs in a panic. Hey! My mother shouted. Where are you going, honey? What's the matter with you? I tossed the items underneath my bed across the room to get the shoebox, opening it hesitantly as my shaking fingers fumbled with the lid. It was gone. The pendant was nowhere to be seen. I ripped open drawers and closets, searching every square inch of my room, but it was futile. I stormed downstairs as my mother caught me. Austin! She shook me. Austin, what's the matter with you? You look like you've just seen a ghost! I brushed her off of me as I reached for the door. I have to go! I shouted, almost choking back my tears as I left. Please, leave me alone! 
I ran into the woods for miles until I reached my destination. There it was. I heeled over vomiting as I glanced at the empty ditch in the ground where her body had been, where I buried Ashley Jordan. It is said that there is no stronger love or bond of that of a parent and their child. Many parents claim that their love is so strong that they would do anything for their child. Move to another city, save all year for that one present they really want, anything. Sometimes it's the ones that love us the most that hurt us the most. This tale is entitled musical chairs. Where are we going, Daddy? The little girl asked. She was about seven or eight with long brown hair that was always perfectly neat, even when she woke in the mornings. Is it part of my birthday present? Why, yes it is, my little lamb. The tall, lanky figure to her right confirmed. What is it? She asked impatiently. Oh, I suppose. He paused, slowing down from a brisk pace. I suppose it's a party of sorts. A surprise party? She squealed, rattling with excitement. Why, yes, it is, little lamb. He grinned, though it was hard to tell in the dark. The little girl gave a brief little cheer, then stopped as if something was troubling her. What is it, love? The man asked in concern. Well, if it's supposed to be a surprise party, then why did you tell me? I think you ought to be just a little prepared for this party. Why is that? Well, it's because of the present, you see. It's a very unusual gift, and it took a very long time to make it. Is that why we can't have the party at home? She asked a little sadly. She much preferred their sunny little farmhouse to this dusty old building on the outskirts of town. It was dark, dirty, and, truth be told, a little frightening. The peeling green wallpaper made her think of old haunted mansions on TV, but this was just some run-down building that nobody used anymore. Yes. This is the only place I could find big enough to build it, but where you wouldn't find it. Well, what about the garage? Oh, that's much too small. And what if you'd seen it? The surprise would have been ruined. Well, the little girl continued, picking up her pace down the hallway again, footsteps muffled against the moth-eaten carpet. What about the barn? I never go out there, so you could have built it in there. It would have gotten in the way. I need that barn, you know that. Yeah, I guess so, the little girl agreed. They walked along in silence, finally coming to a green iron door. Is it in there? She asked her father. No, he said, wrenching open the doors. They now found themselves on the landing of a stairwell, with stairs going up on the left and stairs going down on the right. Above the landing, below and opposite them, was a boarded-up window, with thin strips of light straining to squeeze through. Do we go up, Daddy? She asked hesitantly, if not a bit hopefully. Down. Down? Down there? 
she whispered nervously, leaning over the railing and peering down into the darkness below. Yes, down there, sweetheart. But, but there might be... She stopped herself. She had almost said monsters, but decided against it because she didn't want to sound scared, especially on her birthday. No, she wanted to be brave, like her dad. There might be... What, love? The father asked softly. Nothing. Well, there is something, he teased. Oh, can't you just tell me? She begged, taking her father's hand as he began their descent into the darkness below. He didn't answer for a few moments. But right when she thought he wasn't going to answer, he asked quietly, What's your favorite party game? That was easy. Musical chairs! She cried, not unhappily. You know that! He chuckled solemnly, though he didn't say anything. Is that what the big surprise is? Because we can play musical chairs anywhere. We don't have to go to some stupid old basement. That's part of the party. The real present won't be until afterwards. What is it? Her father smiled, though the little girl couldn't see in the dark. All in good time, my love. All in good time. They continued in silence, excitement mounting in both of them. Finally, the man stopped, and so did his daughter. Somewhere ahead, there was a low, deep humming. What's that noise? That's a generator, sweetie. Now listen closely. I want you to stay here, okay? Don't come in until you hear knocking. Got it? Got it! She confirmed excitedly. Her father opened the invisible metal doors in front of them and went inside, the door slamming shut with a loud thunk. She heard him walk away and say something. There was silence for what felt like a hundred years before she heard footsteps coming back to the door. Knock, 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 knock. Practically bursting with excitement, the girl threw open the doors and bounced right in, fully expecting lights to blare, confetti to rain, kazoos to buzz, and a full chorus of happy birthdays to greet her. But nothing happened. Daddy! She called, scared something had gone wrong. All she could hear was the low humming of the generator. Daddy! I'm right here, little lamb. Her father whispered gently in her ear. She felt his coarse hand intertwined with hers, and he whispered kindly, Just follow me, sweetie. Feeling more at ease, though still a little bit nervous, she allowed herself to be guided by her father's cold hands. They walked through the darkness for about 20 feet, and then she was eased into a wooden chair. She was about to speak when duct tape was put over her mouth. She raised her hand tentatively to pull off the tape, but crack! A blinding sharp pain stole through crack! Both her arms as her elbows were snapped inwards by her father's rough hands. She wailed a stifled scream and tried to get up, but she was shoved back into the chair as crack, her crack! Knees too were snapped inwards, disabling any escape on her own behalf. Shh, 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 shh. It's all right, love. The girl's father cooed gently, as if he were actually worried about the girl's misery. It will all be over soon. Just think, no more pain, no more suffering. Won't that just be absolutely wonderful? What better gift could anyone ask for? She just sobbed and shook her head as the man silently slunk away into the darkness. A moment later, 
Somewhere to her right, she heard the sound of bone snapping, followed by a scream that was muffled just like hers. This happened eleven more times, counterclockwise, until finally her father had come back around to her. Are you still with us, love? He asked, lighting a match and holding it up so that he could properly look at her. The little girl didn't respond, but continued to sob in her agony. I sure do hope so. You want to know who showed up for your party? The little girl shook her head. No? But love, you must! You must see who came for your party! Here he flipped the match on the ground, where it met a trail of gasoline that blazed into a circle of flame inside a circle of chairs. Outside the circle and the chairs were freshly crippled bodies, all heaving with sobs, some recoiling from the flames. The girl quickly looked away, eyes shut tight against the horrible reality around her. He roughly grabbed her by the cheeks and forced her head forward. But when she still wouldn't open her eyes, he forcibly pried them open. Through the blaze of light, she could see all the family she knew. Her mother, two brothers, sister, aunt, uncle, grandparents, and two cousins. All of their limbs were broken, like hers. But unlike her, they were also strapped to the chairs to keep them captive until her arrival. Her father then disappeared for a moment before coming back with a ladder. He propped it up and pulled down a rope, which thus brought down a circular wooden contraption that was suspended from the ceiling with rusted meat hooks dangling off of it. He pulled down two and jabbed them through her brother's shoulder. He was to her immediate right. Her brother screamed, but it was stifled by the duct tape that had been placed over his mouth. The monster repeated this counterclockwise until he finally reached his daughter. I apologize if you don't appreciate this divine gift quite yet, my little one. He whispered, peering through her eyes and into the very depths of her soul. You will see the truth when all of this is over. She screamed, screamed as loud as she possibly could, screaming so loudly that she felt as if her throat were being shredded into ribbons, which wasn't all too far from the truth. Tearing, tearing through her shoulders were those jagged, rusty meat hooks. But her pain was silenced by the tape over her mouth. While his victim shrieked muffled screams of agony, the man strode over to a lever, and when thrust upward, the thirteen bodies were jolted up into the air, dangling there, crippled and helpless, like carcasses waiting to be processed. In the meantime, the man added more gasoline, this time pouring it over the chairs, so that when lit, the figures were directly suspended above the flames. Don't hate me yet, love, the man called to the little girl. The worst is yet to come. But so is the peace and comfort the end brings, which will be so much sweeter after the pain you first experience. Wouldn't you agree, honey? He asked this not to the little girl, but this time to his wife. Oh, that's right. You can't talk, can you? No worries. It'll all be over soon. Then you'll thank me. Then you'll all thank me. He roared at the dangling masses. He then strode back over to the panels of levers and pulled down another one that sent down the wheel from which the meat hooks were suspended spinning rapidly. At first, little girl couldn't tell that she was in motion. She was in such blinding pain. But then she heard something that ran her blood cold. Love is a burning thing and it makes a fiery ring. Her father used to play this song all the time. 
Hadn't he said something about playing musical chairs? I fell into the ring of fire. The music stopped, and all of the bodies were suddenly dunked into the flames. The soundtrack to their misery replaced by the maniacal laughter of a madman. Suddenly, and without warning, the meat hooks were jerked back up into the air, and right on cue, the music started playing again. I fell into a burning ring of fire. I went down, 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 and the flames went higher. The tape on the little girl's mouth was starting to melt. And it burns, burns, burns. Again, they were all dropped once more into the inferno below. And though the little girl did not know this, the muffled screaming of her mother had stopped. Again and again, this process repeated, the song on a loop, until finally the little girl was the only one on the meat hook still alive, albeit barely. Here, the father stopped the spinning of the wheel, though he did not lower it. The music kept playing in the background. It's time, my darling. He rasped from below, voice haggard from smoke, his expression one of pure delight. I stopped your place so that I could tell you that I love you and that I'll be seeing you soon on the other side. He set the wheel back into motion, put a gun in his mouth, and pulled the trigger. And it burns, 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 my ring of fire, my ring of Another night at the inn, and another selection of chilling tales. We're always hearing new things here at the inn, so come back next time and we'll tell you. Of course, I'm sure these stories are all just superstition and nonsense, but I suppose it doesn't hurt to check over your shoulder as you walk home. It's a long walk back to town, traveler. Do stay safe until next time. Now it's announcement time. If you're a writer and you think your story is sinister enough to be featured on our podcast, or if you'd like to volunteer as a voice actor, send us your demo at thecursedin at gmail.com and we'll see if you have what it takes to entertain our daily guests here at The Cursed Inn. Don't forget to check out our page on Facebook and Twitter for updates. We'll see you very, very soon.